The tongue is but three inches long, yet it can kill a man six feet high. The mouth is the source of all disaster. Well, cast a monologue tax and start making some profit as we talk about great treasures on the Dungeons and Gatherers podcast. What was that? Proverbs. That was Japanese proverbs. Oh, just a nice little proverb for you today. Two nice proverbs, and then I thought, you know, I'm talking a lot. Monologue tax. Oh, everything makes sense now. Which is a worse version of many of the other cards like Rhystic Study and Land Tax, but it's still good because, you know, those cards cost way too much money. Fair play. Before we get any further, let's tell the people what we're talking about today. <laughs> You're right. We're talking about magic cards without saying that we're talking about magic cards today. So um, today at the time of recording... uh. Kamigawa Neon Dynasty released on Arena, and the tabletop release will be on the 18th. We love magic on the podcast, and we have spent the past couple hours uh, playtesting or playing some of the cards in the Kamigawa set on Arena, and we're talking about our first impressions of the cards that we played and how what we did and how they worked together. It was a fun time. Admittedly, I haven't played arenas in a, in a while, so but it was great to dive back in, and especially uh, with a set like this. Also, sorry to mill you on your time back. Yeah, fuck that's you. Never, yeah, what a great a, victory you had. One <laughs> of the worst feelings. I remember one of my friends was getting into arena. I was like, hey, I have a really strong deck, but I'm not going to play it against you. And they're like, no, 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 you could play it against me. And they got milled within three turns, and they're like, I don't like magic It's just right like, now. It's just a sad kind of victory. I've like milled people out before, and it's... It's not exactly the most fulfilling kind of way to win. It's not. It's really like a it's like a strategy for playing like competitive because mm-hmm. it's a pretty surefire way to do well. So it's just like, you know, a common thing people go to. So we're going to put milling behind us because we don't have to think about mill that much with the Kamigawa stuff we're talking about today. So that's always good. Goodbye, mill. There's other cooler mechanics to talk about today. Yes. But since we're talking about mill, I'm just going to use it as a segue. I promise there will be no more mill harm coming towards you. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, one of the things I like about the set a lot is uh, Demir's color scheme, blue, black, and the cards that they're releasing are all ninja cards, basically, with the ability ninjutsu. Now, for those of you who don't know magic, ninjutsu is basically an idea where if you have an attacking creature and nobody's blocking them, you could basically... Naruto flash in another creature to take its place, and then it attacks. It makes you think twice about not setting your blockers, for sure. There's a lot more mind games and sort of like um, cloak and dagger thinking. That's true. If you didn't have enough to worry about where, like, if somebody was attacking you and you're like, okay, why are they attacking me with this creature? Here's another thing to worry about when people are attacking you and you're like, should I block or not? So get ready for more panicking. That's all you got to know with that one. Yeah, just a lot more anxiety-provoking, like, assigning blockers. But it's really cool that we're getting this in the set because we've had Zareth San for a while that came out in uh, Zendikar, who basically had the ninjutsu mechanic, but they didn't call it ninjutsu. So it's great to see that his style of play can now be emulated in a full deck with more cards. Rather than if you're playing standard, for example, Zareth San's the only thing that you're ninjutsuing in. But I'm going to call it ninjutsu now. I'm going to say Zareth San ninjutsus. I don't care right, what anybody cause that's, says. Because that's what it is. They could have, uh, I, I, I guess it would have been too soon for them to reprint it in this set. But uh, 
what can you do? I'd right? say so, yeah. Yeah. Now, the thing I wanted to talk about, though, getting away from all of the mill and the Demir ninjas that I think are really cool, and it's going to be fun getting to play things that flash in and nobody gets to see it coming, let's talk about a, a nicer colors through enchantments and sagas. Mm. Yeah, so while Josh was busy being sneaky ninja man um, with his ninjutsus, I focused more on the Selesnia, so the green-white, or even consider, for you tricolor fans, the Bant scheme. So it's blue, green, and white. That was a lot about enchantments, enchantment creatures, and the enchantment sagas, which um, are enchantments that stay on the field and, you know, like they tell a story, so they not only have beautiful artwork, but they also, like, the abilities progress um, as you add what's called lore counters onto them. Satsuki, the living lore, uh, is a legendary creature that actually allows you to put more lore counters on, and whenever that creature dies, you can actually return um, enchantment creatures and sagas from your graveyard to your hand. So you get to reuse a bunch of really cool sagas. Super cool. And the sagas in um, in Kamigawa Neon Dynasty actually evolve into creatures at the end, into spirits which I think is really cool. So Kamigawa Neon Dynasty takes place a thousand years after the last time we were in Kamigawa. So there's going to be a lot of, you know, human characters that aren't around anymore. And since the plane deals so much with spirit and humanity's connection, originally it's very sweet to see people like Azusa get to live on as a spirit enchantment saga Mm -hmm. card. Which is super cool to get to get those characters. And I like the implication that as like you're telling the story of like a legendary creature, you know, like that creature's spirit is evoked and like comes to life. It's a very lore hold sort of concept. Totally. And it's just like sagas I love. I think they're really cool cards and they and I love the way that they always tick. And I think Kamigawa's done a great job giving it something very special that you Mm -hmm. do have something that stays around rather than the saga just disappears and it's gone. Like, the as you said, the legend of the saga exists. Part of the reason that we probably love sagas so much is, like, it's a story, you know? Like, it's yeah. the lore, which is something we love so much about the Magic the Gathering universe. So then to get to see, like, more lore in a card, I think is really awesome. Definitely. And I'll tell you, it's been great reading the lore for this set as well, because it's just, like... We haven't. We talked about it, I think, in a, co- a couple podcasts ago about the concept that this is a brand new thing for Wizards of the Coast, really getting very sci-fi mm-hmm. in their fantasy. So I personally think, with what we've played so far, that it feels good. Like I like what they've done. It doesn't feel way too like cyberpunk guns, uh, whatever truck it is or a car it is right. in the uh, Walking Dead set in the background. Like this feels comfortable. I like this. Absolutely, yeah. It uh, it all still feels incredibly magical, and even when you're like using mechs and stuff and getting into some of those like vehicles and other artifact creatures. It's still it falls within the like the boundaries of like what we've established in the Magic of the Gathering world. You know, it feels very much sort of like Kaladesh, which was a uh, yes. for you for you old timey folks like me. Um <laughs> Kaladesh is a plane with a lot of artificers and inventors. So it's got a lot of that like very classic like clockwork automatons and like airships and stuff that are all like very magical looking and operated by magic, not so much like machinery. And as you brought up vehicle, we got to touch on that because Kamigawa is giving love to the very needed uh, vehicle artifacts, which I feel mm-hmm. as though whenever they're introduced into a magic set, get tossed aside constantly. 
because of the crew cost. When you have a lot of vehicles, you need a lot of pilots. That just makes sense from like a world building scenario. It's always a hassle when you're tapping things and you realize you don't mm -hmm. have enough mana left. Now you need to worry about like tapping creatures and make sure you have enough creatures left to block. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to have to tap your strongest creatures to crew your biggest things, you know? You want to sort of balance it out. Which helps with, um, as you were talking about pilots, we could talk just quickly about Kotore, Pilot Prodigy. I'm just going to read the first part because that covers it. Vehicles you control have crew too. A pilot itself can, can take that whole cost. So it's pretty great because, again, you don't like, if you had a crew, because there's some vehicles in the set with a crew of eight. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't have to tap a bunch of creatures just to get that one vehicle to move once. You can actually get uh, something more useful. Mm -hmm. There's also cards that create pilot tokens. So you don't even have to worry about, you know, spending the mana to, like, play the card, right? Like, you can just, like, there are cards that do other things with vehicles and also make pilot tokens. So I'm curious. I'm curious to see how it works out because I'm not going to lie. Like, there's certain things I love to see. But then, like, there was the uh, the one rat pilot card, Grease Fang, where his ability is kind of meh. Like, the vehicle could come from the graveyard, but then it bounces to your hand in the next turn. So it's kind of like, was it worth it to tap all those creatures for something that has to bounce back to your hand the next turn? It's like... I don't know. We'll we'll see how people come up with synergies for vehicles, but because of pilots coming back in, crew costs getting reduced by certain cards, I have faith. I think it's going to go great, and I even think that there's there's definitely a market for abilities like the Grease Fang one where you bounce back to your hand because then like it's sort of safe in your hand, you know? It's not out on the field for your opponents to mess with. That's sort of the thing with how I feel about ninjutsu too is it's not just getting to switch out your attacker it's also getting to take your attacker and put them back in your hand so if they have one of those abilities that activates whenever they enter the battlefield you can keep doing that you can ninjutsu out another card with ninjutsu right and so then those two cards can sort of trade back and forth as long as they're not blocked you're absolutely right i mean like it is like benefiting off of like when you think of ninjas and even as we talk about in the podcast with ariadne who's a yeah. rogue mm -hmm. rogues really aren't meant to stick around and take the brunt of damage. They're no. meant to come in, <laughs> no. at attack, and then go away, which makes ninjutsu make so much sense and, like, why these ninjutsu cards have great single damage effects because they're not meant to stick around. They're just meant to do their thing, and then they're like, great, I'm out. It's your sneak attack. Exactly. Yeah, I, 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 they, they're a bunch of rogues without uncanny dodge is basically Ooh. what it is in this case. <laughs> what is a rogue without uncanny dodge, truly? An MTG card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think it makes perfect sense that um, you threw in the rogue class um, enchantment card into your ninja deck. Yes. Because it's also blue-black, Demir scheme, but um, the abilities work really well. Granted, I, you know, destroyed your enchantment immediately. Yeah. I mean, I had to because I knew had it would to, be no, too good. Because then I would have taken your deck and that's not, you know. Well, you already not... took my deck. You that's know. a good point. I did steal. Sorry, just so everyone on the pod knows, I'm going to air Josh out right now. So Josh plays Siphon Insight twice and takes not only the Tamiyo card that I crafted specifically for this match because I wanted to play with the new Tamiyo Completed Sage or Completed Sage. I don't know. I got to hear someone officially pronounce that. And then you took like a bunch of my other shit too. Yeah. You took some of my best enchantments, one of my shrines. He took everything from me. Now, I think that's a, a good segue to talking about because clearly we're talking about the big power cards in this set. Mm -hmm. So, Tamio is one of the planeswalkers in the set. 
who is really, really great. And She's awesome. sadly, you didn't get to play Tamio, but I, I got to play Tamio. Tamio's abilities are freaking awesome. And the fact that there's also the Phyrexian mana option, so you can just pay life instead mm -hmm. of the mana cost, getting Tamio in is just super great. And the ult's freaking awesome. Yeah, if you ever get to the ult, I definitely recommend it. I What I really like about this card um, is that all of her abilities are still very in line with how her old Planeswalker abilities used to be. Tamiyo Field Researcher, the same plus one ability is, is you like tap an artifact or creature and it doesn't untap during its opponent's next yeah, untap step. Yeah. Right. This freeze mechanic we get a lot. And I talked about it too when we did our um, MTG... Uh, into D&D Planeswalker builds, right? When I built Tamiyo, I made sure that that was one of them. What's a little different now is this: the next ability where you get to exile a non-land permanent card with a mana cost of X, which is also the X is what you pay um, in loyalty counters to activate it. So you exile that from your graveyard, and then you create a token that's a copy of that card. Yeah. So it's a great way to get another another version of, of a card in your graveyard. We love those interactions. But yeah, you were talking about um her notebook, which is her ultimate ability. Yeah. If you wanted to mention that. Tamio's notebook is it's actually been a card before. Like in, in Innistrad when she first showed up, there was like a journal point. of hers yes. that you could play as or play with. And it's cool that like that concept of having the artifact is still true with Tamiyo because there is the version of Tamiyo that make clue tokens, right? Yes, the very same. It's cool that that is still a concept in Tamiyo. Even though she has fallen, we still have... Uh... Yeah, she's, uh, she's a bit different. And her usually on uh, on MTG Arena, they give the Planeswalkers voice lines whenever they do their abilities. And the one for Tamiyo is like, it's her original voice. And then there's this like super pitched down like voice going under it too, which makes it super creepy. Spooky, spooky. We love Tamiyo. It's a great card. And it honestly, this card, I think sometimes I struggle with like um, the Tamiyo card in uh, Tamiyo Collector of Tales, I think. Yeah. In, uh, in War of the Spark was a bit too specific of a play style for me. Are there I some think, of them yeah. that I'm like, I don't really, you know, like it requires too much synergy with specific other cards, but this Tamiyo card, like those are just three good abilities, no matter yes. what. Because I, I we never officially said it, but her notebook, um, so Tamiyo's notebook lets you cast spells for two less mana, and then it has a tap to draw a card option, which you yeah. will never not want that. Totally. And also my thing too is like, if you're worried about like that, life mana cost it's just a four drop you're playing green you're most likely gaining life at some point so Absolutely. for a four drop to even if you just use the minus x ability to get a card back four drop to possibly get like a five mana creature back is like more than worth <laughs> it's it. not bad yeah and you start at five loyalties so if you have two turns of like tapping your opponent's creatures or artifacts and then you can do your seven drop to get your notebook yeah that seems great too the key will be finding a way to protect this artifact right exactly but you're you're in green so honestly proliferate right and uh yeah. play your, oh like, absolutely that was my my initial thought boom and your phyrexian uh Vorinclex, which oh, you get yeah, to Vorinclex, double the counters. Praetor. So, boom. Uh, one of my first thoughts, because now we've talked about um, modified creatures, right? That yeah. has become a thing that we're talking about um, on card text. And that's just a way to identify creatures that aren't just like at their standard value, right? Anything with any kind of counter on it, whether that's a plus one, plus one counter, a death touch counter, a haste counter, any of those, anything with an artifact equipped to it, 
or an enchantment yes. cast on it is a modified creature. And now many of the green cards in this set are dealing with you get extra abilities based on if other creatures on the field are modified, which is a very Simic Combine way of thinking, if you ask me. It's a good point. Yeah, exactly, because you're modifying what already exists. You're mm-hmm. changing nature. The natural way is gone, Aaron. Artifacts are in. Get ready. Artifacts are... I'm not going to lie to you. I'm starting to compile a little vehicle deck. I'm starting to play Ooh. with some artifacts. I'm starting to think about it. I finally like saw the picture in my head of like this like magic world and these like really cool mech fighters, you know, like yeah. it seems like a neat mechanic that I want to delve into. Yeah, they look great too. Like all the Absolutely. art for all the mechs are really freaking sweet and perfectly magically sci-fi, I'll say. Mm-hmm. You know, also for just like, you know, modifications and stuff, like this is really helpful for the Boros color scheme again. Because if you just want to get more benefits on your artifact aura decks that you play in Boros, you're going to get much more with Kamigawa, which yeah. is super Similarly, great. too, um, some people also now, I heard someone refer to the Boros color scheme also as Lorehold, right? Because they're both red and white. Yeah. And I think Kamigawa gives you a lot there. Because not only if you want to play super heavy artifacts and Boros equipment, you can do that. But also like half the creatures in this deck are spirits. And that's a thing that Lorehold has a lot to say about. So like there's some cool crossover there. I might honestly be curious in like a green, white, and red spirit deck. Oh, now I want to try to craft that. Hang on. you're Thank you. You're putting good thoughts in my head. This is nice, yeah. <laughs> the triomes. We have to start thinking in triomes, Josh. No, and you're right. And because of New Capina coming out, which has already said they're three color demon families, mm-hmm. this is just this is the beginning of the year sparking. Because maybe oh, this is our own War of the Spark. Maybe we are War of the <laughs> Sparking uh, the three color scheme into like Commander and getting it more popular this year. So mm-hmm. who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I just feel so. It's been a long time since I've seen a three color card, and I'm like, there's my Commander. Like I just yeah. haven't seen a new one in a while. So this mm-hmm. is good to have this. Yeah, I feel like you either see the the like the four or five color Commander, and like the people that are super committed to like I will play with all of the colors. Right, totally, or, yeah. like, or like a solid two color commander, you know, like I can handle two. Two makes sense. Yeah, I I, I played Omnath for way too long, and let me tell you, managing four land, oh, oh. that's something else. Something Thank God else. it was a landfall deck. Yes, definitely. I mean, you sort of have to. You have to build like those multi land decks with the idea that like I need an engine to get out lots of land, otherwise I'll be screwed. Definitely, and because this set has five. Three, uh, sorry, three five-color commander. Uh, I was I was flipping the numbers in my head. Three five-color commander options that exist, and one of them is actually the shrine deck, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. And we've never had a shrine creature before, and a bunch of shrine creatures following after it. So it's a super new and cool concept that we're getting. I would love to see more, like because you know. Shrines are cool. It's cool how they add up and do damage or mm-hmm. give you cards or whatever I know, it is. It's, it's so hard to like shrines are so specific that like they only ever affect themselves and the cards themselves are so hard to like get a hold of. You know, yes. it's it's hard to find a variety of shrines to like fill a deck. And we had a conversation before the podcast too about like sagas on the other hand. Like yeah. depending on what color scheme you're in, like they're not as fruitful as 
other things that have existed since like 1993 you know like mm-hmm. you're, you're right sagas again. are relatively new in the in the magic world so it would be hard to make a commander deck out of them because yeah, you need exactly. 100 cards <laughs> at least we got to start now at least uh, at least things are moving in the right direction mm-hmm. we're gonna get all yeah. that good stuff the other thing I wanted to talk about quickly is because we're talking about, like, you know, the cards that we really like. I think we need to talk about, like, the big hitters of this set. Mm-hmm. Like, what absolutely. are the cards? Because we talked about Tamiya, which I think Tamiya is freaking awesome. Love. Absolutely. But you talked about when I siphoned Insighted you. Mm-hmm. Now, I got to copy the spell because of what I think is, like, probably the biggest hitting card of this set is Jin Gataxius. Oh, uh, yeah. That's a good one. Monstrous card of new Phyrexia. Evil. I know, right? It, it's it's sad. We got fi- well, fi- Phyraxians are just awesome. I know they For they sure. destroyed Tamio. I get it, but you know, we hate them. Yeah, I mean, Phyraxians just like are bad innately, right? Yes. So, but they are such cool cards. They're about the closest thing we have to like slivers, you know, in terms of just being yeah. like verging on just being incredibly broken. Well, because like when you play Magic in person and somebody plays a Phyraxian, everybody looks around and is like, oh, shit. You're like, all right, guess we got to do this. I can't tell you how many times I freak out when somebody else plays Elish Norn. Like, I lose my mind. I'm like, oh, no, there goes everything. <laughs> it's over now. <laughs> the game has changed. All right. But just a quick reason why Jin Gataxius is A, going to be a staple of Magic and B, is really great, is that uh, whenever you cast an artifact instant or sorcery, copy the spell and choose new target. Also, whenever an opponent casts an artifact, instant, or sorcery, counter that spell. This ability only triggers once. Once per turn, not once. Oh, yes, once per turn. Yes, thank you. So basically, you got your counter spell per turn. Which is messed up. Yeah, it's it's absolutely nuts. It is a seven drop, so it costs money to get it out, but you're playing in blue, so you should be able to securely get it out. Blue is Pretty also great. classic for having cards that like lower the cost of spells. Even Tamio. <laughs> even Tamio, exactly. And then you think too about like if you can clone um artifacts, right? Why not clone Tamio's journal? You know, and then yeah. and then you're really screwed. Exactly. Wait, is uh is Tamio's journal a legendary artifact? Is it a legendary? Though? It might be. Let me double check. Because there are ways around that. It might be it, yes, of course. It's a legendary find... colorless artifact. You're correct. You could find ways to get multiple artifacts, but you're gonna have to put a little more thought into how you get your multiple legendaries, whether it's your Sakashimas or however it may mm-hmm. be. But other really yeah. cool cards I wanted sorry, you were saying John? Oh, I was about to ask you if there oh, was a cool wonderful. card that you want to say, yeah. Yeah, I mean so I'm looking there's like some really cool heavy hitting green cards. Um when it so like I'm looking at things like um Kodama of the West Tree, if you want to play spirits, mm. you know. It's pretty innocuous at first, but it I think it really has the potential to ramp up. And it deals with oh modified God. creatures. So it gives all of modified creatures trample. And then um, when a modified creature deals combat damage, you search your library for a basic land and put it onto the battlefield tapped and shuffle. So it's a really great way to get some really fast land drops. You know, if yeah. you have like a swarm of little dudes that are all like getting modified and proliferated and then they all hit, all of a sudden you've got all the land in your deck on the field, you know? So you've, I was talking about this with Josh before, um, before we started recording that some people don't believe in, um, you know, the card advantage of taking all the land out of your deck, oh, yeah. right? But I think we've all been in that position where all we're drawing is land and we just yes. need to draw a, just a different card, you know, just yeah. anything else so we can keep the game rolling. But it's just, we just keep getting land. 
And you want the, the more least you can... functional amount of land that you could possibly have. Yeah, you exactly. Want it down. In the I ground. also am a crazy person, and the first thing when I need to cut cards from my deck, the first thing I cut is land. I'm like, how much land can I get away with? And so having exactly. cards like this that make a really functional land engine really s- streamline that process for me. Totally. I was actually just thinking, like, you put Kodama in, right? Mm-hmm. You put Scoot Swarms in, and you no. put something like Felidar's Retreat in. So every time yes. you put a land down. Not only your land falling on Scoot Swarm, but you're also asking adding plus one counters and vigilance to your oh, creatures. Absolutely, yeah. So modified creatures right there. Like Any of those big green white, like everything buffs every turn. What's the um there's some like human fighter that you play with that like every every turn at the beginning of the battle phase they give a plus one plus one counter. I mean I know there's smaller ones like Luminarch Aspirant that does that, but I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of what the green white one is. Uh, I think, no, this one's just pure white. Oh, pure white. Oh, then yeah. Luminarch Aspirant, yeah. Yeah, so like that. Plenty, yeah. There's plenty yeah. of cards out there that can do that. The Another thing, and this is a sorcery card, but another card that I think is really cool and speaks to my specific play style is stuff like Invoke the Ancients, which creates two, four, five green spirit creature tokens. And then for each of them, you can put your choice of a Vigilance, a Reach, or a Trample counter on them. So not only are they incredibly versatile, but it is a five drop card that gives you two four fives. I think that's a great trade. And like, yeah, nothing you... to laugh at. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a really solid card that I think will stick around. You know, some of these cards, I'm expecting heavy bans, you know, but yeah. for a card like Invoke the Ancients, I think we can keep it. Jinkataxis, for example. Jinkataxis, I don't know if Jin will stick around. I'm not going to lie to you. I think it's like the same thing as uh, I think it was during Akoria they released the card Fierce Guardianship, which is basically if you control your commander, it's a free counter spell. Like yeah. shit like that is broken. You know anything what I mean? for the free counter? Anything that says like you actually have to cast two spells in order to get your second one to even work can I be know, really right? hard to. Anything yeah. that's an auto fizzle is a little mm-hmm. broken. So that's why blue's got it. I mean, green definitely has and. If you have a big creature on the field, people have to work hard to remove that big creature. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's a pretty awesome thing to get two four fives for only five yeah, mana. for five. And then you even think about, so this is like weird comboing, but let's just pretend you're playing with like a blue, red, and green deck. Okay. Let's just imagine. So then blue and red gives you a lot of opportunities to twin your spells. So True. if you can twin this, then for, you know... Like, and even, it, like, I'm thinking Ralzeric is classic for copying spells on his Planeswalker cards, like, for free. So oh, definitely, yeah. Getting to do that for free, and then it's just five. It's five mana, and then all of a sudden you have four creatures. What's not to love? Yeah, I mean, totally toss that in. Like, I think the reality is Strixhaven, with the Prismari colors, especially brought in a bunch of low-cost twinning spell cards. Absolutely. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's something available in some of the Quandrix cards that I, like, haven't discovered. You oh, know? that's a good point, too. Yeah, there is Because blue in and of itself can just copy stuff. So get that get that copy engine going. That's some mm-hmm. pretty good stuff. I like that. You can tell I'm thinking like a sorcerer. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Can I twin this? <laughs> I love that. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with four cards. These are okay. my four, besides Jinkataxis, these are my four favorites. So that'll be my top five, all right? Mm-hmm. Because I think these are all going to stick around. Um, The first one is simple. It's Farewell. It's a mono-white card. It's for four and two white. 
And it's basically just a ridiculous board wipe. It's choose one or more exile all artifacts, creatures, enchantments, and graveyards. So L- literally everything. Just start start fresh. It is a pretty definitive way not only to wipe the board, but wipe people's graveyards. Like, it is mm-hmm. a great way to start over completely. Yeah, there's a lot. The more we play, the more graveyard interactions are huge, right? Yes. So, like, once it's in the graveyard, it's not gone. And if it's gone for you, then, like, that's a problem with your deck that you should address. Yeah, so then just destroy the graveyard. There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I, I joke, when I play my Thassa commander deck, my graveyard is basically Delve fodder and Spell fodder. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly just exiling my graveyard to cast big spells. So, I mean, yeah, oh, you always absolutely. want that graveyard interaction. Because then, too, like, think about if it's if it's not even like you milled yourself, right? It's like yeah. you can cast it once, and then you can cast it again later. What's not exactly. to love? I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, because you're getting... You always want, like, a card leaving the battlefield shouldn't be the end of the card. Mm-hmm. There should be something yes. you can do with it. Yeah, Because that's absolutely. that's that value. That's that value if, we talk and about. And if your graveyard can feel sort of like a second hand, yes. like, why wouldn't you want that? Totally. All right, I'm going to hit you with another You're white card. You're making me think now about playing black, though. So get, I love get away from me. Would you like me to tell you one of my black cards on the list, then? Yes, please. Junji the Midnight Sky, which I don't know if I oh, post yeah. if my post on Instagram will have happened by this point. But Junji the Midnight Sky... Not only is it a super cool looking dragon, like I love these dragon cards. I don't They're think we're really dragons, about man. Them. What's not to love? But like we love dragons, and also not to lie, I mean, if you're one of those people still building a Tiamat deck, here's like basically oh, six yeah. new dragons that would function mm-hmm. very well in that deck. Because their ability not only are they just powerful dragons, their abilities kick in when they mm-hmm. die. So the concept of having a mono black dragon that when it dies you either have each opponent discard two cards and lose two life or put a non-dragon creature card from the graveyard onto the battlefield under your control you're playing black you're reanimating that card it's awesome i also i love that with all these like on death abilities you have to really grapple with is it worse to have it on the field and be a huge dragon or is it worse to deal with what happens to it if i do eliminate it Yes. But also for me, it like makes me think about all of like the cool like blue white removal, like the very Azorius, like you can either make it tap and never untap or you can exile yeah. it. You know, like you have to think about alternative ways besides just killing. You've got to find your quote unquote path to exile. Like, cause that right. is the, that is the only way to deal with that. Because literally with Junji, they are planning that you're probably not playing it in a dragon deck because you're bringing back a non-dragon creature. Mm-hmm. So, right. Something scarier than the dragon that's on the field. Maybe like a spirit, you know? Ooh. When you're thinking about, um, they have a five-color, the Kami War. Yes. Right? Which depicts the five dragons on it. Could be a nice little thing. Make your nice Just little saying, dragon. Throw it in. Get your five dragons. Get your Kami War. It also will be like, you can play with spirits doing this. Like, it, there's lots of, lots of options. Totally. So yeah, I like. Dragons. There's always that like one that like they'll tempt you. You know, yeah. <laughs> Wizards will always tempt you to be like, "Are you sure you don't want to play five color? Here's this crazy thing." And like, exactly. if you're crazy enough to pull it off, you'll be rewarded. Well, they're doing it with like a great concept too, right? Because like dragons, dragons are super cool. We talked about this in Dungeons and Dragons, right? Like we love dragons. We love dragons. So if you want to get into five colors, why not do it with dragons, right? Literally. <laughs> Um, I got I got a couple more here. Uh, since we're just talking about powerful shit, a uh, wandering emperor, half dimension wandering emperor, because not only a do we finally have a face for the wandering planeswalker, but also she's the 
first Flash Planeswalker that exists. Ooh, that's so cool. it's super cool that you can now play a Planeswalker in response to something. Yeah, it's a neat idea to be like, oh, it's your turn, but I'm going to play a Planeswalker. Exactly. And like the the uh, the minus two ability is exile tapped creature. So if somebody's attacking you, you could just be like, all right, wandering Empire, emperor, goodbye, uh, attacking creature. You may activate her loyalty abilities anytime you can cast an instant. That's crazy. I know, right? So I think that's like a super cool way to change the game is having a flash planeswalker. That's just mm-hmm. like very different. I think it would change because there's a lot of people. Um, I have a friend who doesn't like playing with planeswalkers because it's like, I just got to spend so much time building them up. And that's like that's all it is. And then people are like, all right, we got to get rid of that planeswalker before it does something. Mm-hmm. Like this is yeah, just to get it out and do the thing quickly. I like to like, there's no like big ticket um ability on this planeswalker, right? Everything's just a plus one, yeah. a minus one and a minus two. So it's like, you're just doing a lot of like little things. So like this card gives you access to like three different instants that you could be casting, you know? So you just yeah. get more utility out of it. Exactly. Can you so- tell I really like utility? Hey, it's all about utility. If you could do more than one thing, that's why um, we'll have to talk about it later because we'll probably do this on reflection. But, like, I loved how the Forgotten Realms set introduced utility instants because mm-hmm. there's a lot of instants in the Forgotten Realms that are like, do this or do that. Or do that. Oh, yeah, the one that's like you find the the, the villain's lair and you have yeah. two very different options. I like that they have, like, narrative text by them. Dungeons and Dragons. Hey, that's what the Dungeons and Dragons did so well because it's like – you find goblins. It's like, okay, what are the two things you'll do? As though you're playing the game D&D. So, yeah, uh, if we keep adding this choice and stuff you play, it makes a card much more useful because it has multiple applications. Right. It just makes the game more fun, I yeah. think. Because part of the one of the things that sort of dissuades me from magic now and again is, like, when I start thinking about, like, really gritty deck builders, mm-hmm. you know, that walk in and they're like, and I have four of every kind of card, so my deck always runs the same, and it's like... I have like my one specific win condition that I'm working towards and it doesn't matter what my opponent does, you know, Yeah. like that deck sounds like not fun at all. That doesn't seem like the point. There's like, I would much prefer a deck that's like, this is why I play so much with counters, right? I mean like counter spells, not, I also play with literal counters because I like those. Um, I love the counter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love a counter. I just love to watch things grow and change and adapt. Blue green. Yeah. Blue green. Blue green. <laughs> Simic for the win, everybody. Simic that's, for the winnick. Yeah. That's oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There's a there's a lot of great cards in here. I mean, like I could go through so many things that are really exciting. And if we have yeah, time, the seven be, tail mentor, a great card. We okay. Let's just blast this out of the pod right now. <laughs> but when Aaron and I drafted, the players that we played against had this card. It's not really a good card. It costs a lot for an ability that's not great. But when you draft, you don't usually have a lot of good cards. So it was literally the most nightmare card to ever face. <laughs> it's just like it has one of those where like where you get a plus one plus one when it comes in and when it dies, right? So like yes. if they have two of them, all of a sudden this little two three is looking like a five six, you know? Exactly. And then, and then you're in trouble. It ain't easy. But you know mm-hmm. what? I lost to them still. Actually, there was no bright side. Oh, I won. So. Okay. Well, there's the bright side. Aaron I mean, that's what happens them. when you don't have flyers in your deck, you know? Yeah, that's a good and point. And for once, like, there's, like, no white flyers. There's, like, maybe one, two. Yeah, there's, like, not a lot, which is weird. I'm actually counting three. Yeah, there's three. There's three white cards that have flying. And then there's one that's, like, a mech suit. It's a vehicle, which is weird, right? Because usually, like, every pre-made blue and white deck is, like, 
flyers. Like that's always yes. what they bill it as. It's such a big concept because you're countering so much shit and doing instants and sorceries. Then it's mm-hmm. like, here's creatures you can't touch. Like right. that's a little cherry on top for those decks. Oh god, I'm going through all the cards here, and I want to talk about all of them, but like it's just too much to talk about all of them. So, if if we get a time to go talk about it, like a what is it like now, we'll go through more. But the only one that right. I just wanted to, the last one that I had in my head was just going back to Satoru Umizawa, back to the uh, ninjutsu. I was wondering concept. when you would talk about him. I know we talked about ninjutsu at the beginning, so all that I'm gonna say about this one is that it basically gives every creature in your hand ninjutsu. Mm-hmm. Which means that if you have a Blightsteel Colossus as an example, which is what everybody's saying with this card, instead of 12 mana, it's a 4 mana card going in. So you basically have an Infector of 12 yeah. killing somebody in one turn. So It's awesome. Pretty powerful it's pretty pretty cracked. We're yeah, going to see. I know. This is another one of those cards that's like, we'll see. We'll see what happens to it. Yeah. Oh my god! I'm so excited about this set. I'm really excited to take time to build. I more love decks. it. I lo- I want to stop recording so we can play more. All right then. Well, hey, <laughs> I think we got to close it off. Hey, you don't need any special ninjutsu abilities to sneak into this podcast because you could like and subscribe it with just a touch of a button. Yeah. And we have Instagram too. <laughs> and we have Instagram. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at DND Gatherers. Jutsu out. That was my shadow clone noise. Did you like it?